welcome to episode one of Fight Me, an MMA opinion and news podcast hosted by myself, Anthony Tadero. So as we go along into this podcast, I'm sure you'll just kind of understand and take for granted who I am and what I'm doing here, and uh, you won't care to hear me talk about my ideas about mixed martial arts or anything like that, because if you're listening to this, you probably already like mixed martial arts. You know why you like it. You don't need me to tell you why it's something to pay attention to. Um, But I like to think I bring a little bit different of a spin. I'm not a newsman. I don't have all my resources. I'm not going to be able to get all the best interviews. I'm probably just going to be interviewing my douchebag friends. Uh, And eventually when we get into this, I'll be doing more interviews. But if you know anything about the world of MMA and what's been happening in the past few days, and what happened uh, two days ago uh, for UFC 229, then you know that we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, But I just kind of wanted to get started by discussing how I got into it. I started watching mixed martial arts like a lot of you probably did Um, when I was younger. I would rent videotapes from Blockbuster almost like renting softcore porn. I would go in there and have to go to a special area of the uh, of the Blockbuster or whatever video store you happen to go to. Uh, probably Blockbuster, though. Uh, and you would go to a special section, and you would pick out your little video of two shirtless, sweaty men. So really, in every way, it did resemble porn, just, uh, just gay porn. And uh, I used to get a lot of, a lot of stuff from friends and uh, girlfriends about watching sweaty guys roll around on each other and I always say if you think that this looks gay just wait until you know more about mixed martial arts and you know the rules and you know all the positions and then you'll realize that it seems even more gay the more that you know about it Uh, but I'm a big fan always have been and it holds a close place in my heart and uh My girlfriend has been sort of bugging me to get started with a podcast about mixed martial arts, mostly because I need an outlet ever since I stopped doing stand-up comedy, so I stopped running my bits on her. So here we are. Uh, Obviously, we're going to get into the big brawl that ensued after UFC 229. We're going to get into the collision course that Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov have been on uh, for a while now, uh, ever since, you know, even before... Khabib Namagamedov's run-in run with Artem Lobov in Brooklyn. Uh, ever since the infamous bus accident in Brooklyn, even before that, with burning tensions between Russians and Irish that have been there for a long time. But I want to get started uh, from the beginning of the card, from the bottom all the way to the top, and uh, sort of talk about everything that ensued that night, the energy, uh, the build-up, all of that. Uh, I don't know how you like to consume your mixed martial arts events. Uh, if it's a fight night, I'll just watch it by myself in my boxers at home. Uh, but if it's a big event, I like to go uh, feed on. I, I like to go watch it with a bunch of other people. Um, usually, uh, in a more intimate setting at home. I don't like to do the whole sports bar thing. Um, I don't know if it's that. I like to feed off the energy of other people. I don't know if it's that I like to be, um, you know, in someone's house around close friends and enjoying that camaraderie, uh, you know, really feeling the energy of other people witnessing history for the first time, or if it's the fact that um, I like to have my friends pay for the pay per view in their houses that are nicer than mine. So I'll usually, and that's how I, uh, 
That's how I consumed this last one, 229. I went to a friend's house. We all watched it together. And I'm glad we did because it got pretty insane. But the energy was buzzing from the very beginning. <coughs> I'm glad that this one specifically was in Vegas, sort of the um, the home of, uh, obviously not the birthplace. It's not where UFC 1 was. But um, if any place is home for combat sports in general, it is Las Vegas. And you felt that. From the very beginning fight with Ryan, La- Ryan LaFlair versus Tony Martin. Uh, welterweight match. Uh, not sure what the outcome of that really says for the welterweight division. Because we haven't seen a whole lot from Tony Martin or Ryan LaFlair. But um, a uh, round three uh, knockout or TKO. I'm not actually sure which one it was from uh, Tony Martin. Uh, moving on to the reemergence of Gray Maynard. Haven't seen him in a while. I was really happy to see him fighting. Um, if you're a, have been, if you've been a fan of mixed martial arts from way back, you've seen uh, Gray Maynard in some great events um, from his, um, I believe, two maybe three bouts against Frankie Edgar to um, you know everything he's done in that division. A uh, bit of a bummer for him though because getting uh, knocked out in. Uh, the first minute of round two by Nick Lentz. So as stacked of a division as the lightweight division is right now, it'll be exciting to see uh, what's next for Nick Lentz. Uh, In my opinion, moving on from that, one of the more exciting fights of the early prelims, uh, the fight pass prelims, was uh, Lena Landsberg versus Yana Kunskaya. Uh, I heard from a lot of people who thought that uh, Yannickazkaya was an underdog in that fight. I do not understand where they were getting that from. I feel like it's mostly because her most recent uh, fight was against Chris Cyborg, so it was really good to see her uh, actually showcasing her skills and fighting someone who is not a complete nightmare and terror. No one looks good against Chris Cyborg. At least no one has. Uh, So... Not only was it good to see her showcasing her skills, it was good to see her back at her natural weight, 135. Uh, just a small fighter for 145. Uh, I say it was her natural weight, even though she actually didn't make weight. So let's hope uh, as she continues to move up at 135, that won't be a continued problem for her and she can continue to make weight at 135. Uh, I'm sure that was reflected in her pay. Or something like that. Um, it was a great fight. Dominant performance all the way through. Really showcasing her dynamic striking game. A lot of kicks. Uh, a lot of great uh, work in the clinch. Um, really impressive victory. So I, I'm excited to see what she's got for us uh, moving forward. Uh, moving on to the um, to the prelims. We were robbed of Sean O'Malley versus uh, Jose Alberto Quinones. Um and that's just going to be an ongoing discussion uh, that we've been having uh, in the mixed martial arts world about USADA, how helpful they really are to make sure people aren't uh, aren't taking performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, you hear a lot of people saying on the internet, how could Sean O'Malley have been on steroids? Look at him. He's not a big man. I, I think that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, you look at... Um, the whole span of people who have been caught on performance-enhancing drugs, you wouldn't think the same thing about Lance Armstrong either. It doesn't always mean that you have to be a hulking beast to be on performance-enhancing drugs. I, however, because of the way Sean O'Malley handled all this, 
don't think that he was intentionally doping, but who knows? Um, he's 10 and 0. This could have been another jumping off point for him. Uh, really exciting to see what he's able to do at Bantamweight. Um, even though Bantamweight is a pretty stacked division right now, he's got a lot of guys in front of him if he wants to challenge for that belt, especially considering uh, TJ um, being at the top of that, uh, talking about his next fight going down to 125. So just like pretty much every weight class in the UFC right now, we got to wait to see what shakes out uh, to see what's next for Sean O'Malley. I don't know if they're going to try to make that immediate uh, match again against him and Jose Alberto Canones. It just depends on what happens. Uh, hopefully, Sean O'Malley won't be tied up in um, legal things for too long with USADA. Uh, hopefully, they start streamlining that. Uh, moving on to Scott Holtzman versus Alan Patrick. I'm going to be honest. I don't know a whole lot about either of these fighters, but pretty exciting match. Uh, another in a really long line of finishes in this um, in this UFC uh, match. Not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of decisions at all, really. Um, Scott Holtzman finishing it in uh, late in round three uh, against Alan Patrick. Uh, moving on to one of my favorite uh, matches in in the whole uh, the whole card. A uh, really impressive victory uh, in the Wyndham's Bantamweight uh, weight class, Aspen, Aspen Lad. No surprise there. She's 7-0. Um, we all know that she's, at least the UFC, is grooming her to be the next big thing at Wyndham's Bantamweight. Uh, just like I was saying earlier, we have to wait to see what checks out or what shakes out after uh, Nunes versus Cyborg. Uh, I don't know if Nunez, you know, if Nunez wins that fight against Cyborg, who knows what's going to happen. If she loses, I, I assume she's back up for um, for title defenses. I, I'm pretty sure Aspen Ladd has at least two more matches before she can really be considered uh, for title contention. But she's well on her way with a round one finish against Tanya Evinger. Uh, pretty impressive victory in her own right there. Um, honestly, a little low in the in the card uh, i would think that fight might be moved up a little a little higher uh moving on to either vincente or vincent luque uh not 100 sure how that's pronounced um you would think i would know a little better it sounds pretty italian to me uh and being anthony Tadero myself i should know italian names but regardless of how you pronounce his name round one uh, TKO against uh, Jalen Turner, pretty impressive victory. Uh, so, you know, welterweights, uh, one of those, uh, one of those weight classes where he's he's got quite a few people ahead of him right now. But it'll be good to see what he can do as he's moving up. Uh, and then moving on to the flyweight match to uh, sort of finish out our prelims: Sergio Pettis versus UCR Formiga. Uh, Sergio Pettis is somebody that people have been talking about as one of the next guys in line. Probably if he had won this fight, a few more, a uh, few more victories. And he's, uh, definitely somebody to be talked about. There's not a whole lot of people ahead of him either. Uh, at 125, Jusio Formiga just putting a complete end to that with a, uh, pretty dominant, um, unanimous decision. I don't know if it was quite as dominant as the judges had it, um, uh, they were pretty close in strikes. Juicier Formiga really um, putting a finish on it by um, 
or a finish on the judges' decisions by just staying in dominant position uh, with his grappling throughout most of the uh, most of the match. At one point, Sergio wearing him as a backpack for most of the uh, most of the fight. Jose uh, Formiga just uh, staying on his back, threatening chokes the entire time. Uh, Sergio Pettis is a little guy, so I kind of like to imagine that he was like getting ready for school, putting on Jusir Formiga as a backpack, waiting for his bus, uh, <laughs> and then going to school, um, pulling trapper keepers out of Formiga. Uh, but pretty good victory altogether. Uh, good to see what's going to be next for this guy. Uh, not really a dominant finish, not really catching anybody's eyes, but nonetheless advancing for sure. Uh, moving on to the main card, uh, which started off with by and far one of my favorite fights of the match of uh, the entire card. Uh, really impressive uh, win over uh, Felice Herrig by Michelle Watterson. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm surprised. I think a lot of people might have been though. Uh, Felice Herrig was the um, the favorite to win that, I believe, in Vegas odds. Uh, don't quote me on that but uh, i believe that's how vegas had it uh which is strange to me considering how impressive michelle watterson looked in her last win uh, fleece herrig i believe coming off of a loss uh nonetheless she she was the one a lot of people had to win that uh, no surprise here for me though michelle watterson continues to impress with her dynamic striking uh traditional martial arts background really coming through just like we've come to expect from her, a lot of dynamic kicks, uh, really leading things off with that um, that sidekick, front leg sidekick to the thigh, uh, disrupting Felice Herrig's forward momentum the entire time, really not allowing her to get uh, any any impressive offense off, um, lighting her up when she came in close. Uh, as soon as it came to the clinches. Uh, utilizing her judo takedowns at least a couple times, getting the best of most grappling exchanges herself. Uh, so n- no surprise to me when it came to the judges' uh, unanimous decision. Um, women's strawweight doesn't have a whole lot ahead of Michelle Watterson, in my opinion, especially with this uh, win over Felice Herrig. Uh, given their similar styles, I would love to see a match between uh, Michelle Watterson and Rose Namajunas. At some point, um, you know, they they both have that uh, similar dynamic grappling style. Um, a lot of movement on the feet from both fighters. Uh, given Michelle Watterson's uh, impressive ability in the clinch and uh, grappling strong points, that a lot of that might end up on the ground. So that'd be an exciting one to see. Uh, I'd like to see it. Uh, I think chances are they're not going to give Joanna another rematch and she's really the only one I could see them uh, giving a fight to besides Michelle Watterson and since um, since Jack Check is uh, is fighting for the 125 belt next I believe uh, the UFC has that on the books uh, chances are Michelle Watterson will be in line maybe a couple more victories and she's there uh, moving on to another very exciting fight uh, sort of a throwback the uh, heavyweight bout uh, Alexander Volkov versus Derek Lewis. Uh, Derek Lewis, the number two ranked and still number two ranked, I imagine. 
sort of a throwback in every way from his uh, Tank Abbott style interviews where you don't know what he's going to say to his Tank Abbott style brawling, which you never know what he's going to do. Well, you do know what he's going to do. He's going to knock the guy out. And that's exactly what he did against Alexander Volkov. Uh, Alexander Volkov could have been in line for, uh, for a title shot. I say that, but that really depends on what they decide to do. As is the story with almost every weight class because everybody wants a super fight. And um, DC has his set for Brock Lesnar. Uh, I don't know if they've booked a date for that one yet, but that is definitely going to happen. So I, I don't know what else Derek Lewis has to do at this point to get a, uh, a title shot. Not the most impressive victory all the way through, but uh, definitely an impressive finish. Uh, just seems like once he decides that he wants to end the fight, there's not a whole lot that anybody can do to stop him. Uh, Alexander Volkov, kind of in a lot of people's opinions, giving that fight away. Um, trying to be a Boy Scout or a good guy by calling the, to the ref's attention that he may have poked him in the eye. Really, Derek Lewis just kept touching his face. I think he may have broken some an orbital or something in, in his face. Uh, in his face, or maybe just took a lot of damage. Um, either way, he made it look like there was an eye gouge, which I don't know if that was his plan, but it did work out because Volkov stopped the fight uh, when he easily could have finished it, in my opinion, at that point, if he just kept throwing punches. Uh, we all know it's not that easy with Derek Lewis, though. He's got a bowling ball for a head. Not that easy to knock out. And... Um, the fight was really kind of a, uh, a second thought or an afternote to the interview, though. One of the most entertaining post-fight interviews by Joe Rogan. Uh, Derek, why'd you take your pants off? My balls was hot. Uh, probably the best quote to come out of any post-fight interview in a really long time. And no surprise from Derek Lewis, the Black Beast. I really hope Derek Lewis himself picked that nickname. And somebody else didn't give it to him because I feel a little uncomfortable every time I hear a white guy say it. Every time I hear Ariel Helwani say, The Black Beast! I just kind of think to myself, Should he be saying that? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it because that is his nickname. It's written on this website that I'm looking at right now. Uh, you hear somebody say it once a night every time he fights. Bruce Buffer screaming it into a microphone wearing a crazy, crazy paisley jacket. So uh, I'm going to say it myself. The Black Beast. Not my words, his words. Uh, but an impressive victory. Uh, one of my favorite fighters, really entertaining fighter. And I don't think I'm alone there. I think he is a favorite amongst the fans as well. Uh, partially because he's funny. Partially because he's a dominant uh, heavyweight partially because y'all are a bunch of savages and you just want to see somebody get their face smashed in, which, let's be honest. Uh, moving on to another really impressive uh, victory from uh, up-and-comer Dominic Reyes. Um, we're going to have to stop calling him an up-and-comer at some point because he just defeated Ovin St. Preux. Uh, regardless of what you think about uh, that match between... Um, between John Jones and Ovin St. Preux, when John Jones came back after uh, his lay his his um, layover or um, you know being out of the fight game for a while, he did go five rounds, regardless of what you think of it, with one of the most dominant champions of all time, John Jones. Uh, he is no joke. Um, 
I'm not counting Owen St. Pru out of the light heavyweight division anytime soon. Um, he may be set back a little bit from uh, this loss to Dominic Reyes. Uh, Dominic Reyes came out strong in the first round, kind of settled in after that, uh, showing a lot of maturity and composure, uh, not trying to go after the obviously hurt and wounded Owen St. Pru uh, early on, but methodically uh, finishing. Um, well, I say finish. It was a it was a knockout. I don't care what the ref said about it, what the what Herb Dean said about it. Uh, he knocked him out with five seconds left. Walked off in a Mark Hunt style uh, knockout uh, turnaround walk off. He knew what he did. Um, they didn't call it a knockout. They called it a decision, which is fine. It would have been upsetting if uh, Dominic Reyes was not ahead on points, but he was very decidedly ahead on points in that one so he won the uh, unanimous decision victory uh but we all know he won by knockout uh very impressive thing to do against uh Owen St. Pru who is no joke and will continue to be if not in a force at light heavyweight at least a gatekeeper for a very long time um just a really durable guy and the fact that Dominic Reyes was able to do that against him uh just confirms what everybody is saying. Dominic Reyes is going to be uh, a real threat at 205, which is good because we need stars. Uh, and as you'll start to learn, as I do more and more of these podcasts, I want to see the nice guys win. And Dominic Reyes is a nice guy. Nothing against Connor and his style. Uh, people love that asshole mentality. That's why uh, Colby Covington has been able to get as far as he has in this sport. Um, it obviously does something for the numbers as well. I'm not going to knock it, but it's not what I prefer. I like seeing somebody uh, who's a professional, who is an athlete, who dedicates their life to this. And when they win, they're humble. When they lose, well, we haven't seen Dominic Reyes lose yet, but I feel like he's going to be humble in defeat as well. Uh, it just kind of shows you what the athleticism of a, um, of a football player can do when they get into... Um, uh, something like MMA. And I've all, you know, for a long time, 205 has been the weight class to watch in the UFC. We're really uh, lacking on stars there. Um, it, you know, you've got Anthony. Um, I don't know why I can't think of his name right now, but you've got other stars coming up um, in, uh, in 205 right now. Dominic Reyes is definitely going to be a force there. Uh, he called out Jan Blakovic, which, um, you know, Jan Blakovic is a, uh, is a great fighter at 205. Uh, you know, a lot of people, especially younger fighters, want to call their shot uh, for, you know, one of the higher-up contenders or just ultimately call out the champ or um, call out Gust- Gustafsson um, or, you know, call out a legend. He called out Jan Blakovic, which I think says a lot for him because... Uh, John Blakovich shows all of the dangers of calling out a top competitor without a lot of the uh, uh, eyes or limelight. He just wants to fight the best, which is what I want to see. I want to see the best versus the best and um, really hopeful for Dominic Reyes' career as he moves up the light heavyweight ladder. Uh, moving on to, according to the UFC, the fight of the night. According to most of you, probably the fight of the night. Definitely can see why they decided to give these guys the um, fight of the night bonus. Uh, really glad to see Anthony Pettis back. Really glad to see him getting that bonus. Um, 
considering his um, his last victory, uh, very impressive um, stoppage. Uh, and that one, I believe um, that was a win against Michael Chiesa. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. Um, either way, super impressive uh, victory for Tony Ferguson over Anthony Pettis. I actually had Anthony Pettis winning this one. Uh, I know it's probably not a popular opinion, but I thought he's um, we've seen a true return to form for him. Um a return to his dynamic striking backed up by his uh, strong bottom game and strong submission game. Um, you know, looked super impressive in his last fight. Uh, decided to trade punches with Tony Ferguson, which we all know is a bad idea. Tony Ferguson cutting him um, on the head, a pretty high cut, so it wasn't a stoppage uh, for the blood, even though at one point... <laughs> I think the commentators thought Tony Ferguson had blood coming out of his mouth. I think that was just the blood pouring out of Anthony Pettis' head into Tony Ferguson's mouth and pulling up and pouring out, which is pretty gross. Um, but what's even grosser is that really seemed to get Tony Ferguson going because he's a psychopath. <laughs> um, he's, he's nuts. I don't know what's going on behind those dark shades, but I think he covers his eyes during interviews so that we can't see just the dead shark eye stare behind them um super big weirdo but uh amazing fighter uh, you you can't not give tony ferguson title shot after this uh people are talking about and we'll get to what happened with uh khabib versus connor but people are talking about a rematch versus them which in the direction the ufc has been headed and uh, based on what the fans want to see, I can understand why they would want to make that rematch. But based off of what I want to see in the UFC, I want to see guys like Tony Ferguson getting their shot when they deserve it. He should have gotten a shot a long time ago. Uh, McGregor, in my opinion, regardless of what happened after the fight, does not deserve a rematch. Um, very well might get it, but he was finished decisively. Uh, never had a chance to really uh, show us much in that fight. So how can you... How can you give him a rematch? Other than the obvious reasons, which is that everybody wants to see it. Um, and I guess everybody wants to see another brawl because that's what's going to happen. Um, but Tony Ferguson, again, just showing us why he deserves to be where he is in the lightweight division. Uh, cutting Anthony Pettis up at every shot uh, that he got. Uh, really showcasing his footwork, his hands. Uh, super impressive against a super uh, a super tough competitor, one-time champion, Anthony Pettis, WEC UFC champion. Um, really good, really good to see. Even though I would have liked to see Pettis pull out the victory, and then uh, Tony Ferguson giving us a truly bizarre uh, post-fight press conference, standing up the entire time, wielding a bag of uh, a bag of peanut butter M and M's and a Coke. Because um, that is his. Uh, when they asked him if he was going to do anything out of the ordinary uh, to celebrate his victory, he said pizza. So <laughs> he's. It's it's funny to see people like Tony Ferguson uh, trying to. I don't want to say necessarily that he's trying to copy uh, Conor McGregor by being cocky and weird uh, and calling the shots and. Um, you know, really, really trying to um, 
wear a suit, um, show you know cockiness, and try to try to give quotes and uh, and headlines like McGregor does, but just being really bad at it, <laughs> saying things like, "And that's the facts, gentlemen and ladies," not necessarily in that order. Like, <laughs> I don't know what he was trying to say there, but if I was a woman in that room, I would have been really uncomfortable. Because um, I think there was just like just one woman in the press room at that point, so he was like probably making eye contact with her, but she wasn't sure if he was or not because he was wearing sunglasses, and he's continuously like almost nailing phrases that people say on a regular basis, like so you can take, you can put that in your pocket and go home with it, like what. <laughs> What is what does that mean? Like I take what you said and I take it home. I don't like it was like a put that in your pipe and smoke it kind of thing, but just really really got it wrong. Like I kept expecting to say to keep on with it and say things like, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but if you want it to eat, you got to make it dinner. Just <laughs> making everybody very confused uh in the press room. Uh Super weird, but you know what? I'm down for it. It doesn't always have to be uh, concise and and good. We can get a lot of uh, headlines out of people just being weirdos. And uh, seeing Tony Ferguson as a heavyweight uh, um, would be great. Uh, you know, saying uh, saying he doesn't spar. Uh, he's like, I haven't sparred in four years, so take that. Yeah, I, I haven't sparred at all. Uh, you know, I actually haven't fought in four years. That's right. That last time I fought, that was a clone of me. Is this the real me? You don't know. Who knows? Who's who? <laughs> I, I really like the idea of Tony Ferguson just completing, completely weirding people out as he continues on. Uh, very, uh, very scary gentleman. Um, so let's let. Let's see what happens in the future of the lightweight division. I'd, I'd, I'd love to see him fight either Connor or Khabib. I think Connor honestly would be the easier fight for him. Um, moving on to the main event. Let's start with the actual fight and then let's get to the bullshit. Uh, Khabib Namagamedov doing what Khabib Namagamedov does. Uh, I just want to say start off by saying anyone who continues to say that Khabib Nurmagomedov is a boring fighter, people who have said that about this fight, you're a fucking idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> we You can't expect every fight to be a striking match. At this point, um, in the level we are with the UFC, if you're saying things like that, you're, you're not a real fan. You're a casual fan. Uh, and we all know n- no one is more of a nightmare person on the internet than casual fans of mixed martial arts. Khabib Nurmagomedov is winning the way you would expect him to win. He's a dominant wrestler. He's huge for 155. Uh, He's technically uh, outworking everybody that he's fought up to now. Uh, And I don't think I've seen a more dominant performance by him than this performance against Conor McGregor. Um, Even outstriking him at one point. uh, You know, obviously, he's not outstriking him uh, in the purest sense, Connor was worried about takedowns. He was focusing on a lot else. And uh, Khabib uh, landed a brutal uh, right cross, shook Connor. It looked like it could have ended there. Um, 
Khabib showed some composure and uh, continued to do what he needed to do. Continued to take him down at will. In the early rounds, Connor is showing uh, some good takedown defense. Not at all in the way that I thought he might. I thought he was going to use his footwork to stay away from Khabib, continue to circle uh, away from Khabib's power, uh, circle away from the cage, uh, stop Khabib from cutting him off. But it seems like every time Khabib... Uh, was able to close the distance and move in. Connor was way too um, apt to uh, clinch with him and to engage with him in that. Uh, I don't understand because Khabib could take anybody down at will. As soon as he grabs a hold of you, that's over, and he's not giving up. So really, people are mad at Khabib for continuing to take him down. People should be mad about Connor for not being able to stay away from him because that's, that's his job. That's all he had to do. People keep saying... Khabib has one way to win this, which to an extent is true. But really, Connor had one way to win this. Connor uh, stood a chance of landing uh, a right hand and ending the fight. Everybody knew that. Uh, Khabib had a million ways to finish him. Uh, One obvious way was to lay on him the entire time. I don't think that's what he did. He uh, sapped all the energy out of Connor. He crushed him over over four rounds, uh, finished him... um, Three minutes into the fourth round, uh, they say rear naked choke. Uh, I think they officially said neck crank, and that's what it was, which I don't think people, especially in Connor's camp, are talking about enough. He tapped out to a neck crank. Regardless, yeah, obviously, uh, I, I'm i not saying that he's weak for having done that or anything like that, but tapping out to a neck crank, that's, uh, that's a pain tap out. That's not a blood choke. He wasn't no... Um, he was in no danger of passing out. He might have been in danger of passing out. Khabib's arms are, his squeeze is incredibly strong. Uh, he could have made him tap out from that. But he didn't have it under the chin. He had it on the chin. He was crushing his jaw, uh, cranking his neck sideways. Uh, Khabib dis- or Connor decided to tap out. And that's big. Uh, we all know Connor uh, is tough. Uh, there's no doubt in that. I would never question that. Um, so to be able to tap him out via neck crank is insanely impressive. And if he can do that to Connor, he can do that to anybody. Um, not that Connor has a great ground game, but, uh, you know, we, we definitely were underestimating Connor's ground game, but, um, a lot of people are strangely enough underestimating Khabib's dominance. And he showed yet again that he is one of the greatest fighters of all time, skill wise, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Uh, you can say there's a lot more involved in being one of the greatest fighters of all time. Uh, consistency, uh, showmanship, things like that, if you want to include all the other aspects of entertainment, which Connor has in spades. But uh, Kibbe really showed that he is one of the greatest of all time. Really impressive victory. Uh, immediately destroying all of that and tarnishing everything that he had done. If... If he had just helped Connor up, um, you know, took the center of the ring, got his hand raised, got the belt put on him, we would be talking about how impressive his victory is. But what are we talking about now? Some people are talking about how he should be stripped of his belt. That's madness. That's not going to happen. Um, people are talking about his uh, his purse being withheld from him. That's just that's f- for now. The Nevada State. 
um, athletic commission is going to give him this purse. I'm more than like more than sure. They just have to finish their investigation. Um, I do think he should be fined for it. Uh, I do think he should get some of his purse held because we need to start uh, letting people know that no matter what level you are in this sport, no matter how important you are for the organization, you uh, you're gonna face consequences for this. Um, I do think they should have done that in this fight, but the UFC has gotten to the point where if they're not penalizing McGregor for the things that he's done, then they're not going to penalize Khabib for, for what he did. Um, and if you were watching, as soon as Khabib won, he throws his mouthpiece at the cage, uh, jumps over the cage like a spider monkey, and goes at uh, everybody's favorite surf bro, Dylan Danis. Um I'll be the first to admit Dylan Danis has an incredibly punchable face. Um, I don't know what he said to Khabib. Uh, I can't imagine he said anything worse than anything Connor said throughout all of this. Uh, but whatever it was, it set him off. And then that set off a chain reaction throughout the entire arena. Uh, several members of Khabib's team, we know at this point, a couple active duty uh, fighters, Islam Makachev, uh, I can't remember the name of the other guy, uh, Dana White said in an interview, if those guys are fighters for the UFC, which we now know that they are, they will never fight in the UFC again, which just goes to show the utter um, the utter contempt for rules in the UFC. We're going to ban these guys from fighting, but um, Conor McGregor put other fighters' lives at risk in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, attacked UFC property, attacked UFC fighters, uh, gave Rose Namunas PTSD. She can't even leave her leave her house now. Um, you know, basically, monstrously undermined the UFC, and the UFC itself did nothing. Connor um, faced lawsuits and will continue to face more repercussions for that. Nothing from the UFC, and I I understand why. Of course, I do. He's the biggest money maker for the UFC. Same thing for Khabib. Khabib is now the champion. Um, they don't want to throw the lightweight belt into flux yet again. They're not going to strip him. Uh, but like I said, that's simply because they've set things up to the way, to the point where they can't. That's where we are uh, in this fight game right now. Whether you like it or not, um, these guys don't have to play by the same rules everybody else does. Uh, and anybody who's saying that Khabib um, showed a lack of class, anybody who's saying Khabib should be stripped of his belt, anybody who's saying that uh, his his team should face repercussions, I understand where you're coming from. But if you're not saying the th- same things about what Connor did, uh, you're just missing the point. The main difference here is Khabib did it on UFC's cameras. So if you think that... Khabib should be stripped or he should be reprimanded and you do not think the same thing about what Connor did and let's face it this isn't the only thing that Connor's done that has been um, out of line or unacceptable for anybody else to do so if you you think that that is any in any way different you're kidding yourself you're a Connor fan and you're not paying attention to the facts and if you think what they both did is uh, is wrong and they should both be reprimanded for it then i see where you're coming from but you're going to cause yourself a lot of stress 
uh, and this probably isn't for you if that's honestly how you see things um, because it's not going to change ever since the UFC sold um, it has been all about the biggest show the biggest spectacle they can put on uh, they're going to use the bus footage to promote fights they're going to use every angle that they can they're going to not only allow but encourage Connor to dig in deep and uh, talk shit and get people talking, get the dialogue started, get conversations going. And let's face it, it worked. This was the uh, probably the biggest pay-per-view of all time uh, as far as pay-per-view buys. I don't think those stats are out yet. Uh, the second biggest gate in UFC history. Um, most people paying for actual tickets uh, in the history of the UFC. And given the price of the tickets, that's pretty impressive. Um, so it worked. There were soccer moms buying these pay-per-views. There were uh, dudes in cardigans uh, listening to Taking Back Sunday buying these pay-per-views. Uh, everybody was everybody was all in on this one. Uh, and to say that all of this hype didn't have anything to do with it is crazy to me. Um but I will say, and uh, I don't know if we've gotten to the point of this podcast yet, but at the end of every podcast, which we are getting to right now, I'm going to make a blanket, a blanket statement uh, about my views on something involved in the UFC, and I want to encourage you at home to uh, fight me about it. <laughs> so go to the Twitters, go to the Facebook, I'll give you... Uh, all the info on how to contact me on all of those platforms at the end of this. And uh, after I make my statement, I want you to argue with me. Let's not be dicks about it. I know that's a tall order for most UFC fans out there. Let's, let's face it, combat sports fans are some of the worst people in the world. And uh, you combine that with internet trolls, you have made a monster. Um, so if you, if you can avoid calling me a faggot, do that. Uh, I don't appreciate it, but I can handle it. Uh, I've been called worse before. Um, so, yeah, uh, get on there. Um, try not to say, try your best not to say anything about Jews. Uh, try your best not to spew hate on my uh, Twitter or Facebook. Uh, but if you do, I can, I can handle it. Um, so get out there and uh, tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why you, what you think about what has happened with the UFC. But my fight me point of the week today is that the UFC has brought this upon themselves. The UFC's quest for, uh, for money overall else, their quest to make the spectacle, to treat this as more entertainment than sport, has opened up the gates for things like this to happen. Uh, all the way from the beginning, I know um, Khabib is at fault. You know, everybody is to blame here. Khabib is at fault for cornering Artem Lobov in Brooklyn. Uh, Connor is at fault for doing cocaine on an entire flight on the way from uh, Ireland to Brooklyn and throwing a dolly through a bus with like 30 people and uh, taking uh, one fighter... Um, Ray Borg entirely out of the sport, possibly. He's talking about retirement. Uh, also, um, taking a paycheck away from Michael Chiesa, a guy who I'm pretty sure could have used that payday at that point. 
Uh, he ended up getting a fight not too long after that. So good for him. But my, my point is he did a lot of people damage. Uh, so he did something wrong. He, he's continued to go in on um, Khabib's religion, his entire nation, things that are way out of his uh, verbal weight class as far as knowing what the fuck he's talking about. Um, talking about the history of the Chechens and the Dagestanis uh, and sensing the Dagestani people, calling uh, Khabib's father uh, weak for taking a picture with uh, dictator Ramzan Kadyrov. If you know anything about Ramzan Kadyrov and his history, you don't refuse taking a picture with him. You don't refuse anything that he asks you to do because he can make things very difficult for you and your family. So that just shows Connor talking about things that he had nothing to do with. But the UFC has opened the gates for these things when they allow them to happen for publicity's sake. Um, I mean, you know, Dana White has to play the disappointed father here. He has to play, you know, you know, a bummed out kid whose uh, piano recital didn't go the way he wanted it to. He has to he has to play that role here right now. But in reality, you know, he, he allowed he allowed all of this to happen. I don't blame him necessarily because I don't know what it takes to make the kind of money that he's made with the UFC. I don't know what it takes to do what he's done over all this time. But I do know that if uh, he were to cut some of this stuff off from the rip um, to do more than just get up on uh, stage and say that the Brooklyn bus attacks were the worst thing to happen in the UFC history, do more than just to say that the UFC 229 press conference was one of the darkest uh, press conferences in history. Uh, to do more than that. Um, and I understand why he didn't. But uh, he weighed his pros and cons. And uh, he has to have... Uh, obviously, you can tell by the security that was there that he did think it was very likely that um, a riot was going to happen. I don't think he thought necessarily that it was going to stem from uh, one of his athletes flying over the cage and starting it. Um, and kudos to the uh, security there uh, in Vegas uh, for stopping all of that from expanding further because those things can spread like wildfire. Uh, but it didn't get any further than... Uh, than it needed to, luckily, and to my knowledge, no one was seriously hurt. Um, Connor was sucker punched. It didn't even seem to phase him. So, you know, another slap in the face to whoever that was who punched him. Pretty embarrassing, not being able to uh, do any damage to a guy who just went twenty hard rounds with one of the best fighters of all time, and then was sneakily sucker punched. I know a lot of people are saying Connor threw the first punch. It's really hard to tell what was going on there, um, but. I mean, you try getting out of a fight, seeing someone coming towards you and not trying to instantly defend yourself. Um, so, yes, everybody is to blame, but the UFC made this happen. Fight me. And that is my fight me point of the week. Uh, so if you want to argue with me about that, I'm sure there's a lot of sides. I haven't thought about it. Uh, you can contact me on uh, MMA Fight Me on Facebook. Uh, you can contact me on MMA at MMA Fight Me on Twitter, uh, MMA Fight Me on Instagram. Uh, I will post a picture on Instagram uh, shortly. Uh, feel free to fight with me on the comments there. 
Uh, hashtag MMA fight me on Twitter if you want to talk to me about this. Uh, you can also tweet me directly. I'm sure nothing's going to stop you if you want to. Uh, unless I decide to block you eventually, in which case that'll stop you. And you might not even know if I block you because I can just mute you these days. And uh, that's probably how I'll, how I'll choose to deal with that one. Uh, but please feel free. And uh, thank you for tuning in to my first episode of Fight Me, MMA podcast hosted by myself, Anthony Tadero, produced by my uh, lovely girlfriend, Mallory Denae, standing to the left of me, uh, disinter- disinterestedly typing on her cell phone right now. Maybe she's probably doing something to help me right now. I don't know. Yeah. You watching porn? <laughs> she says no. I, we all know that means yes. Uh... That didn't come out exactly how I wanted it to. Uh, Mallory um, always has some funny insight of the fights, uh, and I want to kind of do an ongoing uh, segment where I go to her uh, for some funny things that she's noticed. And uh, this one has to do with everybody's favorite, Joe Rogan. So I'm going to hand it over to Mallory today. So I just like to think that however Joe Rogan is talking when he's at these fights is how he actually talks about his dick when he's in the bedroom. So it's something like, this is a massive, massive dick. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime dick. This is pound for pound the best dick that you're ever going to (laughs) see. That dick is a freak of nature, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And thank you very much for tuning into my first episode uh, keep an eye out for me on wherever you get your uh, your podcasts. I'm going to try to get on all of those eventually. And thank you very much. And as always, I've been Anthony Tadero. Fight me about it. <laughs>